Sal here, not your typical chef, and this is episode I don't even remember anymore. Because, well, I've become very inconsistent in putting these episodes up. It's actually been very hard to balance everything as of late. A lot of craziness has been going on that I'll fill you guys in. But back with me, as always, is Mr. Eric Chong, Hi. aka Ninth Planet. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's nice up? to be back. Um, I've been much more inconsistent with my things as well, but I've decided I'd rather it be fun than for it to be regimented, I guess. So, that's in, in what know. regard? Like in what parts like of your life? DJing, putting out a mix every week or, or whatever. Uh, I kind of just left all the, like the, like the math, the structure out and just, I'd rather just keep it fun and do it as it comes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you were on a schedule at some point you were doing one. A I mean, week, I, 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 I try. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's always the goal. Did you actually have a stretch of time where it was like once a week or it never got to that point? That's just what you were I would do it for like one week. <laughs> and I'm like, that was nice. And then how I long feel... would it be between the next mix? I'm waiting for the second <laughs> phase to come any day. <laughs> and now. when did you start this project? Uh, a few years ago. <laughs> Damn. I mean, these are just little ways to like, I look for things to s- sort of keep me like, like to serve my interests, like my hobbies and, um, to enrich my life with interesting skills and whatnot. And I get so excited that I make, I plan it out. I map it out before I even get started. And, um, when I get started and I miss a day, it, it's kind of like, yeah, it's it, it's disheartening enough for me to just like stop completely. I don't know how to explain it. Right. No, I can relate. I'm having kind of a similar situation with this podcast. I think the last episode oh. I put out was a month ago, which actually performed very well. It was oh, cool. with uh, Derek Soto and Marissa Ann. Uh, these, <gasps> oh, cool. Yeah, these two. Ph- ph- oh, yeah, you know them. You know, photographers that we've worked with before, and mm-hmm. they're great people. It was a it was a great episode, um, and it was actually one of our best performing episodes. And then I think a week after that or if i'm not mistaken like the next day i was flying out to california for nam 2018 and i was all Mm. excited coming back because i was like oh i'm gonna put out a another podcast episode you know fresh from nam and so for for those of you guys who don't know nam is i'm not referring to nam you know i'm not referring (laughs) to vietnam um i'm referring to the national association of music merchants which is this uh convention held in the anaheim center in California every Mm -hmm. year. And it's like, it's essentially best way I could describe it is it's like two football fields worth of (laughs) music equipment, anything Mm -hmm. and everything from all over the world. Um, and it's really a time of the year that people get to showcase, you know, the latest and greatest music gear, but you know, they also showcase their entire lineup of, of their products, whether it's drums, guitars, bass, audio Mm -hmm. engineering, DJing equipment, lighting, guitar cases, or fucking flute cases, like just anything and everything. (laughs) It's all there. And it's a lot of fun. And, um, I get to, this was my third year and it was definitely, um, 
it was it was definitely well. Was, this was my fastest trip too. Normally, when I go to Nam, I'm there for an entire week. The convention's only four days, but you spend a couple of days before and a couple of days after, mm-hmm. you know, just hanging around and catching up with people. But every Nam for me is a really great networking opportunity and seeing a lot of faces that you normally wouldn't get to see that you usually correspond with through email because either schedules don't mat- match up if you live in the same area, but then also like there's people I deal with. Um, who live in California, for example, or like live mm-hmm. in Texas, and I won't get to see them until Nam because we'll, it's that one time a year that we'll all be in the same place. So it's, oh, I see. yeah, it's always a lot of fun. Did Nam 2018, got to see a lot of the coolest, latest, and greatest gear. Um, How hard is it to get into Nam? Uh, I mean, it's open. not, it's not open to the public, but okay. it, it might as well be because a lot of people just walk in anyway. No, no, you still have to get a badge and you have to, you have to get uh, credentials through a company that is showcasing there or a company that is going there like for example like Sweetwater you know Sweetwater the that I, magazine you're holding I, in front I know of you, the right? magazine and the website <laughs> so, um, so they're but, a huge you know music retail shop internet based music retail shop and they mm. don't have a stand at Nam but they will have a whole large crew of people going over there to pick out you know the selection of gear that they want to hold for 2018. So for it's example. an event that's sort of, it's like a convention that serves a purpose. They're there for a reason. Um, maybe they're trying to get their products on the shelves of a certain place. And it wouldn't make sense to have all those spaces filled up with just regular people who. Right. Exactly. Don't serve that but then a lot of, of regular average Joe's like, like myself get, you know, go there too. I, mm-hmm. I got through that's the good. Fender corporation cause I'm endorsed by EVH gear and, uh, oh, yeah. EVH guitars and, um, you know, it's just a really good fun time. Uh, this was definitely my least productive trip um, <laughs> out of the three I've been there so how far. So? How uh, so? Uh, I just, um, I didn't really go in this year with a game plan or, you mm. know, I, I've kind of established the endorsements that I wanted to get any, mm. already anyway. I don't really need any new pieces of gear and I don't really have anything new to share other than you know, since last year, I've started working at Beauty and Essex, you know, which which is a big piece of news, but doesn't really correlate with mm-hmm. um, the music industry per se, or not yet, at least, you know, there's some exciting things going on with Chris Santos, which I'll get into later. But, um, you know, this year was just more about saying, hey, what's up mm-hmm. to people, um, you know, kind of uh putting face face time and yeah showing face and and then at the same time you know hey if i get to meet cool new people at the same time make some new network connections so be it but uh this time around was definitely a bit more about pleasure than business and Mm -hmm. uh I got to hang, you know, I hung out with the Darkest Hour boys for a while. So Darkest Hour is a, a metal band from the DC area, but they're also very much so a party band. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I was hanging out with them and a buddy of mine was like, you know, be careful, be careful with the Darkest Hour boys. You'll get Darkest Hour pretty hard if you didn't <laughs> roll with them too long, which is exactly what happened. Because oh I think which, within like two minutes of saying what's up to them, they pulled out a joint and they're like, all right. So, joint's okay. Huh? Joint's okay. Yeah, but it? then I was already a few beers deep. And, okay. And anyway, you get the idea. So it was... It We're was, speaking too much. I'm speaking too much. Jolly old time. Um yeah, that's that's essentially what happened with me after the last episode, and then just a lot of stuff happened. Um, I guess we'll work backwards. 
to the latest event that happened actually to the both of us, which was our aunt passing away. Yes. And that uh, caused us to take, well, not, well, yeah, I guess it caused us, but uh, we took a trip to Reno, Nevada, Mm -hmm. where, you know, a lot of our family now resides, a place where I hadn't been for nearly 10 years, a place where, you know, you've kind of left behind a long time ago. I know you semi-regularly visit. But, uh, I try not to, but I can't avoid it when you have family there. Yeah, I mean, your parents are there and your sister's there. And... Yeah. <laughs> They're great. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah our, our, our aunt had a stroke and we were all kind of pulling for her and praying for her. And um, depending on the timing and the situation, uh, uh, she just didn't make it. And that's when we knew we were probably going to be heading back over to Reno, Nevada, say hi to the family, etc. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely, well, it was an amazing trip overall because it was for me. I mean, I think you enjoyed the trip too. We got to, you know, reconnect with everybody. It brought everyone together. You know, I think we all would have wished it would have been under better, better circumstances, but things like this do bring family together. So to give you guys a little background, um, I believe it was your parents who, uh, our entire family was based here in, in the tri-state area, um, when we were all kids. And then Eric's parents were the first ones to move over to Reno, Nevada. Cause that's where your grandmother was. Right. If I'm not mm, mistaken, I don't know much about my family. Jeez. I think um, I know I'm, more about it than you do. <laughs> I think you do too. I think that my, that grandma was actually in San Francisco. I think that our parents' generation, a lot of them came up in Korea when Korea was a third world country. So they were very acclimated to this agrarian culture and they probably loved New York um, in their own ways. But I feel like my family was the first one to kind of want that slower lifestyle again, I guess, mm-hmm. the change of pace. So they went to, I don't know why Reno, Nevada, out of all places. <laughs> Not that it's a horrible place or anything, but there are a lot of slow towns. I don't know what made Reno their choice, but we're definitely the first ones that went over there. Um, and then yeah. slowly, you know, other uncles and aunts followed suit. And eventually, basically everyone except for my mother Mm-hmm. had migrated over there even our grandma had lived over there for a couple of years you know bouncing between the uncles and aunts mm. um so everyone has been in reno nevada for quite some time and we have a connection to this town you know just against our will against our will i mean it <laughs> but much to our delight much to our delight uh, too but yeah. uh so we went to well, actually, so my family would go visit you guys. My mom would visit you guys yearly, but I think I would visit only mm. every few years. And then Does she as, enjoy visiting us? Does she just come yeah, just for I mean, the family? Yeah, I mean, my mom loves it, you know? My mom okay. loves the... the uh, she just seems like such a New Yorker, like such a big She city is a girl. New Yorker, but I think for her, it's a nice change of pace. I, I think she mm. would move there because of the nice houses you can get for, you know just the cheaper Mm. real estate. I think she would move there for her family. But, and I remember when I was very young, my mom tried to convince my dad and my dad was like, fuck no. (laughs) Did he, did he ever go there and like check it out first? My dad wouldn't go near an airplane that had that whose destination is reno nevada why is that well he has no interest of leaving new york whatsoever like he doesn't he doesn't see a reason why not you know why he should be moving anywhere else Mm -hmm. you know this is a man who's worked 
six days a week, you know, <clears throat> morning till night for, you know, more than my entire lifespan. You know, I'm 34 right now and he's been, he's been grinding, <clears throat> grinding away for 15 years, even before that. So yeah. I just think New York is all he knows and he, he, he's visited other places, but I don't think he really cares for, it, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's not a priority for him. But last time I visited Reno was over when I was, it was when I was just starting in my culinary career. So it was kind of a very memorable moment when I went Mm. there because I felt a very uh, specific way at that time because I knew I was embarking on this new chapter of my life and I had taken a trip out to California um, Mm. and then from California was going to go to Beijing and I figured... Um, you know, this was my last hurrah before I dived into being an adult, so to speak, Mm. because I had made a decision to go into the culinary arts. And then I was, I was in California and my mom said, you should go visit Reno. And I said, why not? And, um, Mm. that, that, that's the whole reason why I went to Reno (laughs) that last time was just to kind of see you guys. Someone was like Reno and you're like, "Hmm, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Okay. (laughs) A couple days later. Yeah. And, uh, I saw That's you cool. there. You were a very different person back then. Mm-hmm. Um, Would you say you were different too? Oh, yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, okay. I was definitely a, very much so a different person. I was mm-hmm. because I was also transitioning from my mental state of when I was living in China, that whole carefree musician attitude where mm-hmm. I didn't real, I didn't have to provide for myself. I um, was living the rich life while I was living in China mm-hmm. to becoming an average Joe again, having to apply myself to a career and learning a whole new skill set. So, wow. um, yeah, I was very much, I was not only a different person then, but I was a different person turning into a different person. Hmm. And then that different person I turned into, I'm different from now. Does that make any sense? In a way that doesn't. Yes. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Yeah, and it was it was great to see you guys, but it was really more of like a face thing, you know, to to see our family on that side. I wasn't there for very long. Mm-hmm. But this trip around, well, to backtrack a little, the last time I was in Reno was also a time where most of you guys were teenagers. Okay. And I I was the cool 20-something-year-old who, you know, didn't have time for any of you guys. So, mm, But um, they forced you to. But they forced me to. Dad and, was like, take him out, show him a good time. I'm like, okay. Usually when show him a good time is said, that means uh, take that motherfucker to the strip club. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. But we, um, you know, yeah. we only became close these past couple years after you came back to New York. How many years ago? Three years ago? Yeah, three, maybe four. Three, four years ago, you've come back. And it's only then where I think we've become close. Prior to that, we weren't really particularly close. We were just family members. We visit each other and um, we kind of just like show face, I guess. But when I came back to New York, like for good, like for real as an adult this time, um, you were part of my uh, job hunting mm-hmm. and you gave me a shot and you started me near the bottom of the kitchen. And I think just us working together, like if you work with somebody, you're bound to get close to them, whether you like mm-hmm. it or not. And it just so happened with us. We kind of liked it. <laughs> it was a good experience, man. Um and with mm-hmm. our aunt passing away, who, as you had mentioned, had had a stroke. And it's very mm-hmm. sad because, um, you know, she's a single mom and her daughter was still in college. I hope 
her daughter is not listening to this right now because I don't want to strike up any, you know, hard emotions for her. Mm. But, um, you know, it was just it was just very sad because um, she was she was still very young and Jessica still is not on her own two feet. We'll yet. just call her Jessica. We'll we, just... won't, we won't reveal her <laughs> real name. <laughs> uh, but yes. But, uh, you know, she isn't yeah. quite on her own two feet yet. And I'm, you know, there was a lot of questions that all the family members were asking each other. And we all pulled together and um, everyone is pitching in to make sure she's taken care of, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, she's basically being adopted by your parents, which is amazing of your parents to do. Yeah. They finally have a child that they're proud of. (laughs) (laughs) So fucked up. Worked out for everyone. Um, and when I went back this time, you know, now I have my own kid. I'm older now. I'm a lot more jaded. I've, um, you know, I've, I'm arguably on the top of my career. So I'm in a very different headspace now than I was when I was last there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the rest of you guys also grew up too. And you guys are all living your own lives. And just seeing that contrast of where you guys were to where everyone is now. Our cousin Jonathan has a kid now. And mm-hmm. seeing him, you know, made me think of my daughter and brought me to brought me to tears yeah that Uh, was your trigger point yeah that was my trigger point so we were all at the funeral lined up and everyone you know the family was lined up on one side and everyone would bring a flower and place it on top of the casket and then you know come to us and console us and give us their condolences and Mm -hmm. i was holding on pretty strong i wasn't really you know i was getting a little teary-eyed but i wasn't really crying (laughs) i was obviously crying on the inside it was very hard to watch you know all our aunts and uncles you know brought to tears um, and so emotional but then for me the breaking point was seeing our cousin jonathan's kid was Mm. was the last one being brought up to the casket and he had no he's only like a year old he had Mm. no idea what was going on but he was so cute and he looked just like jonathan and my wife and daughter are out of the country right now for chinese new year Mm. so i miss them and i'm emotional and then once this guy brings this fucking kid around it just makes me it made me so damn emotional and was just my triggering point and when i just started bawling out like crazy Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was crying more over that than the actual. Because mm-hmm. usually when you see a kid, you don't cry at <laughs> yeah. every baby you see. I think you were probably maybe already thinking about family and, and loss and you're already missing your kid. And it was just so many things maybe compounded and just all together was just you just had to have yourself a cry. Yeah. And then I look mm. over and there you are crying right along. I, with I've me. been crying like since <laughs> I was crying on the plane. I was crying when I found out the news. I don't know why. Because um, I've been to a few funerals before and after like three or four, I kind of, you get kind of numb. I mean, you still show up, you're still sad, but you don't really ball out anymore. Um, but for some reason, there was even a few funerals uh, the last few months and they were sad. And I, I had like two cries out of all three of those. But this one made me particularly sad. And I don't know what makes this different. They're all sad in their own unique way. But for me, the trigger was definitely during that service, mm-hmm. seeing all of our aunts, friends, how, um, how, like the sudden hole that's in their lives. Um, our moms, like uh, the, the sisters of our aunt, 
um, I, I just was reminded that they grew up together. And right, yeah, that's something you you don't think about because uh, you know we all live separately, and sure we see we see each other during family gatherings, but you don't realize like. They were kids too once. They were together, together, mm -hmm. you know, for for years and years, and they have that special connection that, you know, we don't really understand until we see a moment where they're just completely emotionally broken and you know sad and mm -hmm. and down because, like you said, there's now a hole in their lives with without that person around anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we were speaking about this earlier how this trip had changed us a little like we're a little different now after after this trip mm -hmm. how, how, how do you feel different after this um death our loved ones passing away is always a good reminder of how precious life is and um how it changed me i remember one moment that is probably gonna haunt me for a while is is watching uh, during the like the burial service, our cousin was holding her mom, who is now reduced to this bag of dust, and to see this bag of ashes. This she was a woman that was there my whole life, and turned into what do we do with the body? And then that turned into she's this bag of ashes now. Like this is that person that was always there. And it was really shocking moment. And then to have to watch um, our cousin hold her mom in that state was very sad, very depressing. But the more I thought about it, it's like we're all going to we all start off as dust. We're all going to end up as dust. And right now we're in this we're in that in between where we can do whatever we want to do we can make magic happen we we have some control some power as flimsy as life is and all of a sudden all the excuses and the mental blocks i had of like am i good enough or like is that worth it or i don't know i'm pretty comfortable should i really risk risk this to try to get that much more um even though i you know feel that i'm like i deserve to not live paycheck to paycheck um and i knew the blocks that were keeping me from from striving that extra mile all of a sudden all those mental blocks seemed so they, they just kind of melted away like like they didn't like why were they there in the first place what was i so worried about um, what's the worst that can happen um i got it pretty good i still have life and i'm we're not guaranteed 70 80 years or so you know it could be tomorrow next week um so all of a sudden every day that i woke up utilizing that day 99 and a half percent wasn't good enough i wanted to live 100 percent. i guess mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i um i felt different after this trip for me this mm -hmm. trip was there was a, this trip was so much fun it really was it was you and mm -hmm. i were very regimented and making sure we did our workouts we stayed active we saw family we saw friends um you know we even we made sure to uh when we visited your parents at lake tahoe we made sure to you know go by the lake and have ourselves a little mini hike and mm -hmm. and of course and throughout all this we were seeing our family and um uh do, doing all the funeral stuff 
Um, but I came back changed. I definitely came back changed. I, I've been to quite a few funerals myself now, and this mm. one was definitely the one that hit me the hardest because just like you, you know, Omimo has been in my, Omimo meaning Omi aunt, um, has been in my life, has been around my entire life and now mm. she's gone. And, um, the way she passed away is basically, uh, what could have happened to my mom. So my mom had a stroke five, mm. six years ago, um, but she was very fortunate where it happened in a public place where people were able to catch her as she was falling down when she fell unconscious. Mm. And uh, they were able to operate on her within the first hour, which is, you know, they call the golden hour. If, if you can get treated that first hour after a stroke, you can, like my mom, make a full recovery. Mm. Like you can barely tell anything is wrong with my mom, mm -hmm. you know, aside from maybe some short-term memory issues, which, you know, could also be attributed to her age. Mm. Um, it's not the worst side effect of surviving. Something right. Like that. It's not the worst side effect of having to get your, your head cut open and blood drained out. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it was intense seeing my mom with staples in her head and she was basically, you know, she had some, uh, mental retardation for um like a like a good three four months after that you know mm. not being like you can see little bits of progression on a daily basis but just it was so few and far between you don't you don't know if she's gonna snap out of it you know her memories were all jumbled up so she's remembering things from her childhood she's seeing people that are no longer there mm -hmm. um it's, it's just very scary i didn't know if she was gonna snap out of it which she did yeah um but you know knowing how uh aunt Umi passed away uh just and seeing how much that affected my mom also brought me down to tears because I don't know if this is accurate, but in some ways, maybe my mom maybe feels guilty. Like, why did she get to survive this and mm. and not Umimo? Um, because my mom's kind of dramatic in that way. But I know, <laughs> I know mm. that, like, it's hitting her particularly hard and... So on top of this, my parents are moving out of Queens. They've lived in that house for 20 years. Um, anyone who knows me has been to that house. I grew up there. Um, there's a lot of memories in that home, but that area is booming. And my dad got an incredible price for the house. And my dad always goes where the money is, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so they're moving to Jersey and my mom is having some separation issues with that and um, leaving behind her old life, even though they're moving just to Jersey, but still it's, it's a big transition for her. Mm -hmm. She's been in that house for so long, a lot oh, of memories. Yeah. yeah. Invested a lot into, into that place probably, yeah. at least emotionally. Yeah. Um, your dad's not so attached to, to things. Would you say he's still always trying to hit a progression, trying to like, um, no, I think Honestly, I think my dad is attached to that house as well because mm. I know he had the option of moving to other places, but he just didn't want to because he liked that house so much. Mm. I think for my dad, what's changed is the realization that he's getting old, the realization that he, you know, he's over 60 now. So, mm. um, I, and I didn't even realize that until very recently, like, holy shit, he's inching his way towards 70. And, uh, mm. 
I, I think he feels it in his bones. Like he's a lot calmer now. You know, anyone who's <laughs> known him can can see that. But I think he realizes that you know he's his time. The the clock's ticking, and he's basically preparing for that. Which is why he's selling that house, and he's gonna invest into um, multifamily properties, so that when he does pass away, there's something left behind to support my mom and so smart yeah you know he's just he's being very smart about it and i think the the my dad is governed he's very emotional and he doesn't know it but he's he also oh yeah hmm. yeah he's a super emotional being but i think he's still overruled by logic mm. oh okay you know okay. what i mean like he's an emotional person without knowing it but he is still governed by logic the only emotion so. i've seen out of him is anger <laughs> <laughs> well i mean but that's still me you know whether whether I guess you, that is yeah emotion. that's still emotion you know mm -hmm. like even though the main emotion anyone will see out of him is anger <laughs> doesn't mean that he's not emotional it just means yeah. that like he's on that spectrum of things you know mm -hmm. um yeah, so there's that, and then the funeral, and when I got back, even my chef told me, like, yeah, ever since you got back, you've you've really just been on point, um, because it's mm. only now I really feel like I got a handle on the job at Beauty in Essex. It's only now I really feel confident in myself, and I think I've snapped out of this headspace, this, this kind of, like, broken headspace I was in for a long time after leaving Mira mm. of insecurity and... Um, just yeah insecurity i think is the main thing and after this trip and with everything that's going on with my parents and uh you know them moving out i was just like man i don't have fucking time to waste mm. you know i really got to get a handle on all my shit and move forward and mm. um yeah it's just it's it's just been a lot and i just feel like you know what having a lot is better than not having anything at all and let me not bitch and whine and let me make the best out of this a lot that I have on my plate. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. um, best way I could describe it is I have all these ingredients. I can, I can make a shitty buffet or I can make like an epic meal for everyone to enjoy mm -hmm. type of thing. Mm, and so okay. let me make that epic meal that is fruitful for everybody. Mm -hmm. If that means, if that means I have to put in my best, then so be it. It's mm, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've, um, been coasting in, in life for a while. Uh, when I was the, when you visited Reno all those years ago, way back when, like, like a decade ago, I was sort of at, <clears throat> I was in my teen years. Everyone's teen years sucked. Uh, I didn't really have a stable roof over my head. And I used that uh, emotion of like, um, like being like borderline homeless to like motivate me into making something out of myself, mm -hmm. I suppose. And I made it pretty far. Like I, like I moved to California, as you know, and um, I was on the football team. I was going to a church I really liked and... Um, I was working in a music studio and uh, that was kind of like me achieving that goal. And uh, long story short, I kind of threw it away for, for, for a girl that I was dating at the time. And ever since then, I've kind of just been coasting. Like I didn't know if I wanted to try mm -hmm. again, um, but this was kind of my 
my little shocking wake up of like, why not? Like you're still here and you have some life skills and you have a work ethic. If you want to have a work ethic, you can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what, um, another mm-hmm. really cool thing we got to see was, uh, your father's restaurant and our cousin Jonathan's restaurant. So, mm-hmm. um, basically all of our family in Reno are in the sushi restaurant game. Yes. This is, it's actually something it's, it's a purpose on this world. (laughs) (laughs) It's something that, uh, your dad kind of started in Reno like 20 years ago. Right. If I'm not mistaken. Long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, Probably about 20 years ago. Yeah. One of the first sushi restaurants in that town. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he, you know, he was, he did very well for himself. He's still doing very well for himself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but since then Reno has like some like 40, sushi restaurant some crazy number like that yes yeah Mm. all like somehow branches off from your dad for the most part right (laughs) at least that's the way he tells the story yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and our cousin jonathan now has his own place in a smaller town like 30 40 minutes away called fernley Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know i mean if reno was remote this is this is really (laughs) fucking remote it's really (laughs) (laughs) the drive there was beautiful don't get me wrong but i was Mm -hmm. just like it's just a small town it's just a small town it's a small town in the desert they have either one of everything or zero of everything right fernley right yeah Yeah. that's a good way to put it um but you can see that our cousin jonathan is when we went there to eat, he was very proud and uh, put a lot of effort into what he was making. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I think he had a certain refinement to what he was doing. And then he's still young. And um, him and I had this great conversation about food. And um, he had questions to me about managing styles and how do you handle a restaurant the size of, you know, what I, what I manage. Mm-hmm. And then we saw kind of like the you exact, like, I don't even know. I don't know <laughs> yeah, how it I was happens. Like, I'm not, I was like, I'm not sure, man. I may not be the right guy to ask. But the next day we went uh, to Tahoe where your dad has his restaurant. So he had since, uh, sold off his restaurants in Reno, kind of saw the, the trend happening in Reno and now opened up a place in Tahoe. Yeah, right. it just didn't make sense for him to continue in, in, in Reno. It was already so saturated. But at the same time, it was the one thing that he knew how to do. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the only things he knew how to make money off of. Yeah. And he just, um, it just hit him. He'll just go to this other, even smaller, more remote place and, and just keep doing it. But we went mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. and it was so, it was, it was, it was like a, watching a comedy show. <laughs> watching your dad's restaurant because yeah. you can definitely tell he's he's weathered he's aged he's he's a he's very jaded he's oh, kind yeah. of grumpy um <laughs> and while the food he served us was absolutely know. delicious and there were some really cool unique things he gave us because at both restaurants we had kind of we had omakase style essentially which was mm-hmm. really nice um you could definitely see your dad's kind of phoned it in a bit yeah i feel like with our cousin john he put in his uh, hundred percent and there was care and passion and so every plate he was giving us and my dad was working at maybe 50 percent capacity and coming close 
Yeah, that. that's a good way to put it. Like, if your dad really put in the effort, he probably could have blown us away with this food because there were a couple things he made where I was like, "Wow, this is really creative and and nice and mm. and cool." Um, he did like some type of uh, upside down shrimp nigiri with a quail egg and tobiko, oh, yeah. and it was just so really. Not, I wasn't expecting that at all. Mm. And whereas I think Jonathan, while he did really beautiful stuff too, he wasn't. Like I said, you're you're right. Like your dad was working kind of at like a fifty sixty percent capacity, and mm-hmm. um, he's he still put out amazing stuff. But he's clearly just like he was just bitching and moaning the entire time in about customers way. in a humorous way. Yeah, yeah, in a, not not in a cruel or malintentioned way, but it was definitely like if a big ticket came in, he'd be like, oh, and then he'd start making the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was busy as fuck and you know the yeah. banter that he has back and forth with some of his staff was was mm-hmm. hilarious he's you know i mean he wasn't all um i, I would see little flashes of, of social skills from him when he mm-hmm. talked to some of the customers he that didn't piss him off he'd be very like his version of charming to them uh what do you have and they order three things okay what else <laughs> uh they order two more things okay what else? And <laughs> just kind of like challenging himself and basically that saying, or he's that's just my... trying to get more money. Oh yeah, that's. I guess I'm romanticizing. Well, it, a I, bit. it was also hilarious. <laughs> but it was when, funny. It was hilarious when he was complaining about why people order so much spicy salmon rolls. He's um, like, I don't know why people keep eating this. Why do they keep ordering this? What's so special about this? Why do I keep making this thing? <laughs> and then, like, as he finishes that spicy salmon roll and he puts Enjoy. it up, then another order comes in. He's like, You see? You see, they keep ordering this. I don't get it. <laughs> oh my god, I had no idea. You, you, didn't, what, you, you didn't. It was real? in Korean, right? Yeah, it was in Korean. I mean, of course, yeah. it would be in Korean. Yeah, and half of those people probably thought we were speaking Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was someone at the at the sushi bar that said Konichiwa to somebody. Oh I think so, if I'm not mistaken. That's cute. We were also pretty drunk. Speaking of getting drunk mm. in Reno, I did not realize the higher elevation until you guys had pointed it out gets you drunk yes, a lot yes. faster. Because I think I had two beers and I was way fuck- more affected. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. I was fucking. And uh, even going to the gym, I did like one set of deadlifts and I was already winded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you're used to, if you're from a place like that coming to a place like new york all of a sudden you'll find that you can't get drunk anymore and you'll just keep drinking and drinking wondering why you can't get drunk and you'll just poison yourself before you get drunk again probably (laughs) Um, something about the elevation i don't know yeah well i mean you know your body has less oxygen and higher elevation and works less efficiently until your body acclimates to that but Mm. Um, okay. You know, when you go to a place of lower elevation and there's more oxygen, I'm getting nerdy into this shit. But no, it makes get- sense because I hear about people training in sports, boxing, football, whatever, and the teams that train in higher elevations are said to be an advantage because they make more efficient use of oxygen. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I know for a fact a lot of U.S. Olympic teams train in higher mount- higher elevation mountain- oh. mountainous areas okay. for that whole purpose. Makes sense. Yeah. I'm a nerd too. It's okay. <laughs> Be yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's just been a preview of what's happened since the last episode, which was last month was, you know, again, NAM 2018, our on passing away family reunion. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It was so many life lessons in one little trip, so many emotions. Yeah, it was only a four-day trip, but a lot a lot happened. It was a lot of emotions. Full spectrum. And I also had a burrito that was like... <laughs> now, let's get to the point of the story. Let's get to the point. <laughs> I had a burrito supreme at this... Uh, La Michoacana, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that was. The I, I only pronounce it the way I see it. I don't know okay, if it's right Okay, if you or guys wrong. go to Reno, Nevada, go to La Michoacana. It's this Mexican restaurant. The dining room is way oversized with way too little tables. It is the most fucking ugly restaurant in the world. The food, the Mexican food, is absolutely divine. Yeah. It's absolute. Like I had the most amazing breakfast burrito over there with, with scrambled eggs, cheese, and chorizo and salsa verde. Oh, mm-hmm. It's just heavenly. But we went there at nighttime, and uh, I ordered the burrito supreme, and the motherfucker. Was the side was the length of my forearm? You shouldn't have said supreme. <laughs> was the length of my forearm took like four tortillas to make uh, some crazy amount like that? Yes, yes. They and needed two huge tortillas yeah. and laid them out long ways. And uh, on top of that, yeah. the shit was I think like close to five, five pounds. Six bucks. <laughs> One dollar per it almost, pound. It's almost the the weight of my daughter when she was born. <laughs> Um, I ate it. Yeah, I ate the whole thing. Long story short, long story I short, ate I ate the whole thing. It was good. We went back. Yeah, we went, and then we went back the very next day. It was funny. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, Reno consisted of In and Out burritos, family gathering, funeral, a buffet. Oh yeah, um, buffet. How yeah. was the buffet? It was good. I mean, you know, I, I think um, any casino centric town, you know, will be very buffet centric. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the draws to go to the casino. It's a totally different eating culture because yeah. I hadn't gone to a buffet for a long time since then. And I'm not particularly a fan of buffets because I always feel like, well, the food's going to be shit. But mm-hmm. but it, but it wasn't shit. It was like two steps above shit. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was three, good. four steps. I would, yeah. I, I'd give them that Depending much. Depending on um, your, your step chart. Yeah. Um, no, no. But use. they had pho over there, which was really good. And oh, they had yeah. prime rib, which was really good. I was very mm. surprised. Their dessert bar was fucking out of this world. Um, you know, you mentioned something. I just thought of something that you mentioned. Our, our parents or in Korea, they're so used to um, not eating three or four whatever square meals a day. They hide their food underground. They never know when their next big meal is going to come. But when it comes, they just go all out. Yeah. And a remnant of that is probably Korean barbecue where they just engorge themselves. Yeah. Uh, like it's an all you can eat style of yeah. eating. And maybe that's why buffets they love buffets you find them at buffets so much because it's familiar yeah i think um both chinese and koreans Uh. are very much into well all right i know for a fact koreans are big eaters in general because like you said it was a third world country for the longest time you didn't know when you're you were going to get your next meal and Mm -hmm. um so you you better take it in now (laughs) yeah make it count um and it, it it's something we grew up with i think is and is i think not anything unusual for anyone who who lives in in a place like america where um eating big like that is the norm it definitely was mm. something i had not experienced in a long time and especially you know being a chef and the the style of food that i do it's kind of frowned upon but then mm. when i was at that restaurant the only thing i could think of is like 
how many how big is his crew back there like how much staff <laughs> does he have like how does he manage all this you're such a chef all, all the recipes and so on and so, i mean i'm pretty sure it's very computer like it's very mm. mechanical as far as like how they manage it and there's put out that system food. yeah there's um, definitely a system or maybe I, not i don't know oh, it's reno, <laughs> reno nevada they can do whatever they want it's yeah fine. it's like you make this you make that and put it out at this time and we'll be good so. oh just make sure the plates aren't empty yeah uh, it's funny you say that because when i got into audio engineering i got into audio engineering because i love music and i never loved music the same the purity of it this naive love of my uh, of music kind of went away mm. now when i listen to a song I, i'm breaking it down like the panning the frequency ranges and like um you know etc etc the mixing all of that and when you walk into a restaurant as a chef do you feel that you're kind of breaking down oh absolutely like i was judging the shit out of your dad's restaurant and our cousin jonathan's <laughs> there's a lot restaurant. to judge in certain places oh yeah big time you know everything from like health health department standards and oh, yeah. um you know just just uh how they upkeep their menus you know are they wiped down or how clean is their bathroom um mm-hmm. you know for example your dad's restaurant they obviously didn't touch the bathroom from the previous owner because it was a totally different scheme from the rest it of the made, restaurant it makes no sense it makes no you sense you walk in you're like this isn't the bathroom and then you see a <laughs> toilet in this room that clearly is not supposed to be a bathroom and you're like it is a bathroom <laughs> or it's a room with the toilet in it. I don't know. And, you know, obviously yeah. that's the charm of your dad's place is um, it's very much jury rigged together. And <laughs> it doesn't need to be this modern, fancy sushi restaurant because mm. it's not a modern, fancy town. They just want their, you know, go to sushi where they know what they're getting and they're very mm-hmm. happy with it. And that's that. Um, and whereas, you know, our cousin Jonathan, Fernley is, while it's a very small town, I would say all the architecture is much more modern. So of the restaurant of the restaurant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, like, so they were able to start from more of a modern standpoint, whereas your dad kind of just took over an old crummy place and just painted over it with (laughs) cheaper paint than what was already on there. He should have just left the old paint. (laughs) And my dad had a beautiful explanation that his crowd, um, I'm using DJ terms, not his crowd, his his customer base, I guess. They're very, they don't want a fancy place. They want something approachable, something that feels like home. Mm -hmm. And all I was hearing when he said that was basically he was too lazy and or cheap to just get it redecorated. Or maybe they're getting old and my mom loves interior decorating. Mm -hmm. And he just told my mom, yeah, go for it. Go crazy. Do whatever you want. (laughs) And she went crazy. She, it's like she had three, four different ideas. I mean, when we went there, the place was fucking packed. So obviously Mm -hmm. he knows what he's doing and he's doing something something right so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i mean the food is the food is good um if you live in that community incline village northern lake tahoe and you want sushi you only got one place to go if you <laughs> want japanese you only got one place to go if you got if you want chinese you're probably going to go there that's the closest you're going to get <laughs> if you want korean same thing yeah, so he was really smart with the location i guess as well yeah yeah. yeah, well, yeah, that's that's part of your dad, you know, being good at what he does is he he saw the writing on the wall and the opportunity, uh, the opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, he's he didn't have to invest millions of dollars into redecorating and rebuilding the place. He mm-hmm. took it as it is. Whereas some young punk like me, if I take if I open a new restaurant, it has to be completely right. right. You know, but 
that's that doesn't necessarily make it right in some ways like you mm-hmm. can still pull it off with used equipment or like not completely regutting everything even though that's the way i would want to go with it mm-hmm. um and then on our final day day there we did two very special things number one was go back to our cousin jonathan's restaurant and i shared a couple recipes with them i'm mm-hmm. not going to say what but i shared a couple recipes with them and actually mm-hmm. i got to get in touch with them and see if they're if they put those on the menu and if they're selling well or not mm-hmm. um because if they are, we want in. Yeah, we, we want our fucking check. <laughs> but it was great having the three of us back there working together. It was amazing. Um, I, such a good feeling. I didn't realize that uh, everyone knew about my whole Beat Bobby Flay thing. And, mm. you know, the, the the one cook that was in the back kitchen with us was acting really weird the entire time. I felt like he hated us. I Maybe it was my insecurity, but I felt that he must have felt we just encroached on his territory coming from new york we probably think like where the shit who they think they are right but i might have been reading too much into it well that's what i was feeling too and then jonathan was like no i told him that you did beat bobby flay i think Mm -hmm. he was nervous okay so he might just be saying that too he may be just saying that too to boost my ego Oh, he's a good kid, but it was fun just because the three of us had never worked together before. And the entire time I was back there, I was just judging like they could have organized this a little better. I was surprised you didn't say more, honestly. Oh, I wanted to say a lot of things. (laughs) How how much of a dick would... Well, I guess... How are you 86 every red meat? Yeah. (laughs) You have so much red meat in the freezer waiting to be defrosted all week. Oh my gosh, that was funny too. Um, He's... uh... We, I went over there to help them make a dish and uh, mm. they basically had everything. All the meat that I needed was frozen solid, so we couldn't do it. But mm. whatevs, whatevs. They just didn't, whoever's in the back, in charge of the back at that day, just didn't think ahead and saw they were running low, but didn't pull anything to defrost. Yeah. Um, so I think it was just a lack of like caring enough, I guess. Yeah. You care enough to show up and like make the food, but to do like half your job, half well and then the other half just not do it and let someone else take care yeah. of it and then uh right before we went on to the flight we went to a uh what it? yeah, a, what's it called a dispensary or oh what, yeah what they weed is legal there? baby weed is legal in nevada <laughs> yeah so yeah. and if you're from nevada uh, sorry it's they nevada um because nevada is supposed to be the wrong pronunciation oh, well, but either way well we, weed is know. legal in nevada <laughs> Um, and I was amazed to find this out and fell in love with Nevada. Oh my God. Much more. You're, you're saying it wrong on purpose, right? Yes, I am. Okay. Totally. That's amazing. Totally. This is why I love you. How is it supposed to be pronouncing it? It's, it's Nevada. When, when I, when I went over there and anyone said Nevada, they they made the biggest deal out of it. Um, it was, I guess, I guess I would, I guess wrong. I would be upset if someone called me Brian or something like that. <laughs> like, no, it's Brian. Yeah. Um, but yes, weed is legal and I, I can't believe it even as it was happening when we're walking and I'm like, this is, it is legal, right? You're yeah. not, you guys aren't just fucking with me. Yeah. Cause and like my voice would constantly go down when I talk about something concerning and weed and everyone's like, yeah, weed. Yeah. <laughs> it's legal here, Brian. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the store? Oh, it was amazing. The most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life. I would like to go back very soon. <laughs> Walking in, I was like, I was kind of put off at first because we didn't go into the actual shop yet. Mm-hmm. To get to the shop, you go in the building. Yeah. And it's almost like uh, checking into a doctor's office. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm already kind of like bored. 
Um, <laughs> and then, like and then they direct office. you to the actual sales room, and it's just so clean and organized and yeah. there's so many varieties on display and so many different products they had everything from from gum to gummies to dried fruit to, to pre-rolls to just buds. Uh, yeah it was just it was amazing and uh we got honey. some product and it was yeah it was a great good old time i got some honey for my honey I got some honey for uh for my girl i don't really partake too much I don't know, like whether it's legal or not, the feeling of having to rely on on something to feel better about myself makes me feel not better about myself. Well, thanks for making me feel like <laughs> shit, you asshole. That's just a personal decision. <laughs> well, I just because I care about. I myself. do it mainly for sleep, though. Um, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, that's that's the whole reason why I got into it in the first place was uh, for 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 that main reason. And then mm. I actually have to be careful with what how I because I don't smoke it. Um, I, I feel it. I, I just don't like smoke in general. Mm. Any type of smoke, whether it's hookah or cigarettes. I used to s smoke, but uh, I quit uh, quite a few years ago. And I just, ever since then, I haven't liked it at all. Mm. Um, but I do edibles, so I have to time it right. Because if I do it too <laughs> early and I don't go to bed by, you know, on the right time, I just get the worst fucking case of the munchies and just eat everything in my so path if you do it too early you you won't make it home before you make it to a few other restaurants right first. right <laughs> or like stop at the taco truck and then get a slice of pizza and then come home and make an omelet and <laughs> go to the taco truck get a slice of pizza go to the pizza place get a slice of taco <laughs> do whatever feels right when you're high yeah um which uh, uh fortunately doesn't happen often but yeah Anyway, that's really that's that's what's been going on in the world of Chef Brian Sow. I've been uh, I've been having a blast at Beauty. Um, we, business mm -hmm. has been great. I think you know if you guys want to come by to eat, um, please come by now. Now's the time. We are not super super busy mm -hmm. um, like we are during the holiday season, which you know around that time it's damn near impossible to get a reservation. But mm -hmm. nowadays it's not that hard. So you guys should definitely come visit me. Um, I'm glad to be back doing this podcast i you know i i kind of have to stop kidding myself and um i kind of realize that i can't do these podcasts so regularly mm. especially because i am oh shit i forgot about this so i will be partnering up with the music zoo to do uh gear review videos so anyone who follows me knows that i do gear review videos on my own youtube page and uh it's with my own gear and uh the music zoo is a shop i've known for i've known the people there for a long time i've done work with them before with my old metal injection series called taste of metal mm. um i've catered for them before and uh i always have a blast with those guys and it kind of came together really uh, easily where I said, Hey, you know, could I do my videos at your shop? And without question, they said, sure. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Sometimes all you gotta do is ask. Yeah. Shit. Uh, uh, and there's going to be a cool little twist to these gear videos. I don't want to give it away yet, but the show is called chop and shred, chop and shred, chop and shred. That can only mean one thing, but I won't spoil my guess. Well, it's going to incorporate some food, okay. um, elements, as well as gear reviews exactly how i'm not going to spoil it i'm going to put oh, out okay. a trailer maybe next month but uh that project is starting now so you know between my my gear review videos which i've been doing like one a month 
mm-hmm. and then having to keep up with this podcast um it's it's probably going to be along those lines like one episode a month now but you'll probably still release as much content it just won't all be the podcast anymore now it'll be kind of diversified right 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 because i was doing more podcast episode than i was the videos but now i'm trying to balance out everything and Mm -hmm. um yeah i think i think one of, I don't know, maybe next month I'll be like, I'm only going to put out one episode uh, every quarter. <laughs> every quarter. <laughs> every quarter, every three months. Uh, um, well, we'll see how it goes, but I'm just kind of going with the flow. A lot of cool, exciting things. I don't want to spoil everything, but um, one thing I will tell you guys is I got gear review videos coming out soon through uh, with Music Zoo. Awesome. Uh, and it'll be on their YouTube page. So. Oh, cool, um, cool. Yeah. Yeah, check it out. You can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, themusiczoo.com. Check them out. That's really it for me. How about you, Eric? Um, well, I just got done with Fashion Week. I don't know. I've been in this weird, depressed state of mind for like two months. And I've, and I'm, usually when i get this way i'm able to disassociate myself from the emotions so like to kind of objectify my demons as i like to say and um i don't think that i'm necessarily i don't have like a depressed life maybe there's just a lesson here oh thank you for the coffee uh i'm basically been looking for the lesson in the experience and um I don't know. That's kind of like where my headspace has been at. And I've also just finished fashion week, which was, which was okay. I got more of a response, but less, uh, I guess money you could say, um, more people wanted to book me. The the people who were going to pay me well, they're all showing at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I had to choose like one out of all those people. And another one, they, uh, they seem pretty interested, but they changed direction and they said, sales are down. We need to change direction and do something more modern, more cool and cast models who are very in. Um, I know you like classic, good looking guys, but we need like really cool, classic, handsome, weird green hair, scars on their face or something models. And uh, I never heard from them again after that. There's another one, uh, or they want to book me, but they don't want to pay, which means to me, it's no longer a job. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't pay, then it's, then it's like charity work. Um, so just did fashion week, the trip. My life has been very day by day, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, um, I, um, I felt a very similar way for the longest time until recently. Uh, you know, I was kind of in a down mood as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'd express that on the last couple podcast episodes, but I, I've, I haven't been in the greatest of spirits, I, I would say, until recently, um, just because, you know, work was just kicking my ass and I mm. just didn't feel like I was doing the job adequately and, I, you know, I was being very hard on myself. But mm. that compounded by just trying to figure out a balance of everything in my life, I, I, and I had also mentioned that I just never really felt like I had recovered from the whole damage that was done by my separation with my last restaurant because mm. I was in such a routine for a while in such a comfortable routine. Do you and, mean the one in Chelsea or yeah. the one? Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I was in such a comfortable routine for so long and, um, I was so content and, um, 
but I wasn't growing and I knew that I had to put myself in a uncomfortable situation, a progressive uncomfortable situation so that I can continue to move forward. And I kind of feel like I'm getting over that uncomfortable hump now. Mm. Um, you know, that really painful period at least. And I'm just kind of, uh, you know, reemerging, so to speak, and kind of being reborn and reshaped into, you know, the next chapter of who Brian is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. from Pikachu to Raichu <laughs> leveling up. Uh, I think, I think, you know, I or just squirtle to, uh, the one after the war one, turtle, war turtle. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Or Charmander and, into Charizard. Charmeleon to oh. Charizard. <laughs> you uncultured swine. Do I have to explain everything to you? Uh, I just realized it now, but, um, I've been in a very, I've been, you know, it happens to everybody, uncomfortable phase in life. And I think I've been avoiding it. And it's hard for me to talk about my life because I spent all this time and energy trying to avoid it mm-hmm. and wait for it to get better. Like close my eyes and wait for the monster to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, just realize that. That's very interesting. Mm. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> what do I owe you? <laughs> no, no, I mean fucking a pee pee touch that's what you owe me <laughs> you already get those for free i'm <laughs> um, kidding i usually charge them so yeah guys i think this is where we'll leave it off and you know actually one more thought to add on to what you were saying eric is mm. um it's it's obviously like human nature to avoid any type of discomfort like humans are always looking for a way to make life easier right that's that's why we have all these technological advances and Mm -hmm. um forcing ourselves to you know making ourselves go into an uncomfortable situation of the unknown and not being sure and being uncomfortable is is no easy feat and um i found and the whole reason why i started this podcast was to just talk about those things because I knew, I just realized I was not talking about those things. Like you Mm. and I would have these conversations in private. I would have that conversation in private with Elise. And while they were very, you know, they did a lot of good and there were, you know, they were very valuable, valuable conversations. And I don't know, something about having to speak about it publicly made me feel more accountable to it. Mm. which is why I speak so freely about all these things on the podcast as, um, you know, whereas some people may think it's stupid of me, but you know, there, like how many people really give a shit about what chef Brian has to say or think about what he does in his daily life or like what happened with his funeral. Again, I think I just do this so that I can, make myself more accountable even if it's to a Mm. bunch of people who are listening that i don't know it just i don't know that next episode i want to come back with another i want to come back with to every episode with a little more with another nugget of knowledge i guess Mm -hmm. because i feel accountable to what i said in the last episode Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know that's just my added thought that makes sense i i still desire the feeling of progress and i think i try to progress in career while i've been stagnant with my relationship with myself and i've been using career to um sort of like because that's only one small dimension of my life i've been using that to to keep me busy in the meantime and i think someone said once like you gotta have a really good 
uh, relationship with yourself. You got to be okay with yourself. And so when you go back into the world, you have more life to give because, yeah. you know, you just had these more experiences and realizations and nuggets, like, as you say. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So we're going to leave you there. Nuggets. Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back when I'm back, whenever, and when I feel like it. Um, because that's how I do. Instead of weekly or monthly, the Chef Brian Sal podcast, whateverly. Whateverly, yes. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Chef Brian Sal, not your typical chef, signing out. Bye bye.